10.35 right now. Uh, we will proceed. Uh, I welcome you all once again for this um, insightful uh, journey. I must say that uh, Rajesh Ji has taken himself for the last three decades. He's been a yoga trainer. And uh, as I introduce you all to him, he also plays the role of um, um, a corporate professional with a large IT organization based out of US. And whatever he has written in this book, I can resonate to each and every word, I must say. Uh, it's a fascinating book, was gifted to me uh, during the lockdown by a very dear friend, Rajiv Ji. He's here today. Uh, yet again, a person who is a seeker, who's a follower, pursues um, spirituality, divinity in a very different way. And despite having various paradoxes of life, which we all have, as Krishna also mentioned it to Arjun in the Gita Updesh, uh, in the paradox of life, we all need to find our own way. And that's exactly what this book, which is Happiness Beyond Mind, tells us. Many of the people who have joined in today, they've mentioned to me that they have uh, either started the book or they've read the book. Uh, today, what we will discuss with Rajeshji is more a question and answer. Uh, let him present his thoughts of uh, what is the background of his journey when he wrote this book uh, as a service to others, I must say, and uh, what is happiness beyond mind to him. Uh, as, the as the title says, rising above helplessness, conflicts and choices. What else? What else could be the paradox in our lives, especially in an age that we are living now? I now welcome Rajeshji formally. Uh, for this session. It's truly a privilege to have you, sir. And we look forward to this uh, wonderful session of wisdom and seeking with you. Namaskar. Thank you, Mohit Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Good morning. Uh, good evening. I know that uh, several of my friends have joined uh, here from the US as well, like Patan Lok, like what you say. So uh, thank you for giving me this opportunity, Mohit first of all. Really appreciate it. And uh, um, what I have done uh, in this uh, book um, is to share a few of the concepts that I have learned personally and I have started implementing it in my own life. But before I go that, first of all, I want to wish each one of you a happy Diwali. And uh, like what our, uh, um, the Indian government's uh, uh, slogan says, I think the whole idea is uh, the truth will finally prevail. The truth at multiple levels. And uh, here in the spiritual journey, we're talking about what is the real ultimate truth that is going to prevail and what is a falsehood. So on this Diwali day, I wish all of you that we will light that lamp of knowledge and light up the deep crevices in our minds to remove that ignorance so that we, we all can be blissful. I pray for all of us to get, get that wisdom. Okay, so uh, I, uh, I have a few slides that I prepared for this uh, particular uh, discussion and you feel free to stop me at any point of time and we can have an interactive discussion. And uh, what I'm going to do, the, what I'm going to do is, you know, share a few slides and talk through you about my journey and some of the few, few things that I've learned. Uh, in this book, I probably have written, uh, you know, maybe about 14 or 15 points that, that echoed with me, 
but uh, given the paucity of time here, I choose to pick up maybe about four or five from this and talk to you about them today. So uh, maybe I'll just share my screen and Gonna share my screen now, Mohitji. Can you share your screen now? Wait, let me let me do it. Just a second. Give me a second. Yeah, I think I can share it now. Yes, you can. All right, so um, everyone has a story. And the reason why I wrote this book, first of all, uh, was to share my own learnings and uh, the principles behind are timeless. Like they say, you know, when the universe was created, just as uh, when we buy a refrigerator or a TV, the manufacturer gives us the uh, user manual. When the universe was created, a user manual was created by the creator. And that user manual is called the Vedas. And uh, those principles are timeless. So whatever principles that you see in my talk today or in the book, they are timeless. But the way that I have presented it is the way that it impacted me. Right? Now, uh, I'm not a very... Uh, popular guy, I'm not a very well-known personality. And why, why would anybody want to read this particular book? You know, you might be wondering. The point is this, the point is, many of us are seekers. In fact, all of us are seekers, I would say. We just don't know that. And there are inner conflicts in us. And because of these inner conflicts, you know, we, we sometimes make sense of our circumstances. We sometimes can't make sense of our circumstances. So I want to uh, talk to you about my journey, what has happened. And I, I, I'm going to start with the trigger, okay, 1999, around June time frame. So me and my wife, my wife is also on this uh, particular uh, Zoom session, session today. We were uh, expecting, and uh, unfortunately, uh, we lost our first pregnancy. And uh, it, was, it was a pretty uh, shocking thing for me, personally. And uh, I did not know what to make, make of it. I, I was wondering, you know, what's wrong with me? You know, what happened? Why did this happen to me at all? Right? And I became depressed, as what they would call people. People would call depressed today, right? So, but the, the key question that bothered me was, yeah, it's such a big thing that has happened in my life. Why? Why did it happen to me? What did I do wrong? It does, just doesn't make sense. I've lived by all the right principles that I have been brought up and Still, it did not, did not make sense. So somebody suggested, okay, hey, there is something called Vipassana. You go and learn Vipassana, it'll control your mind. So that was a trigger for me. I went to go learn Vipassana. It was a tool. It helped me to manage my emotions. And, you know, I've been practicing yoga for a very long time. So it helped yoga, pranayama, all these things were tools. Now, at the same time, I was also kind of, you know, trying to understand what's been happening in the world of science uh, in terms of psychology and understanding the human 
personality how does how does how does science look at the personality human personality and i got involved in understanding what exactly sigmund freud said about human human psychology and and uh, jungian psychology and trying to trying to make sense of what was happening to me in this situation right the emotions were pretty strong at that point of time um you know waded around here and there you you see it, imagine that there was a huge jungle and i was just going here and there trying to you know grab a branch here and grab another branch there to fight to to find and in put the pieces together uh i'm pretty sure some of you would have read i've read books like atlas shrugged uh ayn rand's uh, uh famous uh, uh book atlas shrugged and uh, um, you know if you've read another guy another guy called hugh prather notes to myself and even swami vivekananda's books complete works i've read but i just couldn't make sense of it just couldn't make any sense of it what was wrong i did not know so i was still searching searching so fast forward 2000 december this is a picture of my daughter she was about uh, uh, maybe a month old in this or maybe 15 days old when we took this picture she is 20 now and she is in uh, college when she was born it was such a great feeling for me, for me and my wife the pain that we had experienced about a year and a half back was completely erased but the question did not go away it was a beautiful event but the question was why did this happen to me why did that happen to me and why did this happen to me two completely different events two completely opposite events but the question did not go away the event went away the pain of the event went away but the question was there it continued to remain and fast forward 15 years multiple things happened some good some bad and the question never went away in 2003 about april early april time frame we lost a dear friend to cancer she was one of our classmates and within a week or two weeks my son was born again birth and death birth and death we were just wondering you know what's happening there's something wrong i just don't understand why should this happen so many so many such events happened but that is when it struck me 5 years back that i was actually looking at the wrong mirror what i mean to say by the wrong mirror is that i was asking a question why me why did this happen to me who am i this was the question that i was asking so the question has multiple parts it has i it has me it has why i was more focused on the why part rather than i was i was less focused on the i or the me part so it was ultimately the right mirror which they say as the upanishads that that would tell you who you are and therefore once once you know who you are you're able to make sense of what is what is happening to your entire life that fit the puzzle pieces for me together right and in the last 5 years of my journey it's been pretty transformational for me personally and i want to share that's the reason i wrote this book because i felt that the the struggle that i went through in terms of understanding and making sense of it um a lot of people will 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 go through that struggle 
and at the same time there's another thing that i felt that is the the upanishads and the gita they are pretty complex to understand so if there were a a, a sort of a, a pathway you know formed by someone who have who shared the same kind of problems that we you know we share then maybe it'll be easier that was the only intention why i wrote this particular book so there are five takeaways that i want to share with you in my journey and uh, uh, i'm going to talk about those uh, key things the first two things happiness is our very nature and we mistakenly identify with our body i'm going to cover in the next couple of slides and the next three ones that i will uh, uh, take it forward after i explain that so the five are happiness is our very nature we mistakenly identify with mind and body death is just a pit stop in our journey to completion to perfection and there's a model a psychological model that the gita shares the the upanishads share much more vividly it's called the katha upanishad model i'm going to talk to you a little bit about that and most importantly mind management how do you actually go ahead and feel happy complete irrespective of what it is good bad events right so before i get there diwali time sweets how many of us can actually define sweetness i can tell you almost it's going to be very difficult you know is the sweetness is in the laddu that is that is made or is it in the when you bite it in is it in the tongue or is it when it goes into your stomach is it in the stomach where is it almost always you know we get confused that sweets can give me that sweetness but it is not that neither is the sweetness coming in from the tongue or from the from the stomach so basically if we can't even define sweetness how can we define happiness i read a world happiness report it it covers about uh, 644 mentions of the word happiness and i did not find a definition of happiness in that now how useful is a report that doesn't define happiness we are going to search for happiness we are searching for happiness but if we don't even know what it is how can we find it now fortunately swami chinmayananda gives a very beautiful definition of happiness he uses a simple mathematical equation he says happiness is number of desires that you fulfill divided by the total number of desires that you have it's very simple right now first of all you know why do we actually have desires it seems to me that we have desires because there is something that we are trying to fulfill there is some sort of a void in us okay we feel that we are not complete somewhere right so there is some desire that comes up okay if i do this i'll be more complete now you do that then you do another thing you keep on doing multiple desires like this and then there is this you know whole basket of desires so let's say that you have 1000 desires right and when you have 1000 desires and you have a limited time frame that you think about saying let's say 80 years to 100 years in your life and you divide that 1000 years 1000 desires into multiple um uh, sequentially or whatever and you hope to finish all the desires 
by the time you die, right? Now, the very fact that I presented, present this equation in this fashion, you might think that this is an easy problem to solve because all we need to do is run faster and fulfill the number of desires that, that, you, that you have. But here's the problem, right? The problem is we don't know when we're going to die. Number one, first problem statement. Second problem statement is the denominator grows exponentially. I recall me and my wife, uh, you know, when we got married, I was earning about maybe a little, little under a lakh rupees a year. And we said, if I'm going to make a crore, I will retire. And we made a crore much, much earlier than what it is today, but we continue to work. We continue to go behind money. Why? What happened? There is an exponential growth of the total number of desires. This is not constant, right? Unfortunately, the numerator, we will have to go with a linear way of fulfilling our desires. What I'm saying is at any point of time, the, the more desires that we fulfill gives rise to newer desires, which is the denominator, and then it becomes an endless loop. Now you see there's a futility in this whole equation. There's a sense of incompletion, first of all. So irrespective of how many of our desires, how many of our desires that we chase and we complete, there is going to remain the sense of incompletion. Now, how do, we, how do you overcome this sense of incompleteness that we have, right? The scriptures talk about two ways. One is a numerator focused, one is a denominator focused, right? The numerator focused is something which is very, very easy for each one of us to understand because that's something that we do naturally today. We do it every day. I want to buy a house. I want to buy a car. I want to get into a relationship. I want to get out of a relationship. These are all the desires that we have. For what reason? We want to be happy, ultimately. We want to go ahead and fulfill these desires. And there's also another, another uh, uh, pathway that the scriptures define, which focuses on understanding the total number of desires, which really, which really makes sense. And there is a, there is a way of fulfilling all the, all the desires in the numerator and in the denominator, if only we understood what it means. So I'm going to talk to you about that in a minute, but just bear with me for a second. Let me ask you this question, okay? Why, what are, the, what are the reasons why we feel incomplete today as individuals? There are three reasons, broad buckets, bucket of reasons, okay? The first one is, we know that there's a ticking time bomb somewhere. We are going to all die. There's a limited amount of time. We fear the death. There's a fear of death. There's a paucity of time in our life. That's number one. Number two, how much ever you learn, how much ever you acquire knowledge, there's so much more in this world to know. There's always going to be ignorance on our side and we don't like ignorance. Just imagine how many of us, you know, we have this, uh, 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 I think it's called uh, 
the uh, craning the craning neck syndrome you know you go on the highway and you see an accident somewhere impossible for you to look straight and drive but to look look back and look at the accident that's because we are curious by curious by by nature as individuals we want to gain that knowledge we want to get that knowledge what's happening in the entire universe but the problem is how much ever we learn how much ever we we study all through our entire life it is said that it will be as much as a handful of sand that you can pick but the amount of knowledge that you would need to learn is as much as all the grains of sand in the entire beaches of the world so there's always a sense of incompleteness with respect to acquiring knowledge it's our ignorance right the third one is the pain physical and emotional pain so i mean none of us go look for pain it happens we all but we actually look for happiness completion peace but it happens so these are the three things right time ignorance and pain this is the reason why we feel this sense of incompleteness within us like i said you know in introduction you know why me or who am i you know we if we start chasing on the why part without understanding the i part or the me part then probably we are not doing the right analysis of the problem so first of all we need to also understand who we are as an individual okay so the scripture state especially the gita and upanishads when we go through it it states clearly that you know most of us are wrong about our self identity now think about this if there's a book in front of you you will never call that book as i because it's an object to us to you right so i have this pen it's an object even though i'm holding the pen and i'm writing i'm going to write to this with this pen it's still an object so i use this object because i can see it i can experience it likewise my hand is an object because i can see it i can experience it if the hand goes away if the hand is cut off i am not dead it's still there i am still there now you extend the same argument okay the entire material world is all objects people around inanimate animate everything is quote unquote object and i'm not not using the word object in a negative sense think of it like a sim simple grammatical way object subject verb it's all objects right now come closer to your body the body we can experience your body too is the body an object answer is yes the body is an object now go a little bit more into into the mind can you experience happiness can you experience sadness answer is yes can you experience anger frustration disappointment answer is yes that means is the mind you if you go with the same logic that if you can experience something then that is not you then naturally the body and the mind should also be not you that means there's somebody else behind the body and mind who is using the body and mind just as i was using this pen to write so this is a fundamental fundamental difference which says that you know the object and the subject are always different unfortunately we mix it up 
the scriptures state that the person who is actually experiencing this entire objective world, including the body and the mind, is a principle known as Brahman, awareness, consciousness. That's the principle. That's the universal principle that's using this body, using the mind to experience itself in this entire universe. Now, it's such a complex topic. You know, people might say, okay, hey, you know, this sounds very difficult for me to understand. It's, it's you know, how, how, how did this happen? You know, all the while I was thinking that, you know, if I'm eating a piece of chocolate and I'm enjoying the piece of chocolate, then it's my mind that's enjoying it or it's my body that is liking it. But now you're saying that I'm not the body, I'm not the mind. Right? Now, there's a question that we'll ask. Are we really incomplete? Is the scriptures saying that, you know, you are somebody else who is totally different than your body and mind. And because you are in the body, because you think your body and mind, you're running, running, running to chase your desires, complete your desires because you're thinking you're really incomplete, right? So I want to explain this with two examples, but first let me take, take this example of this water and ocean. This is by Swami Dayananda Saraswati, whose book uh, we follow. This is a book, we follow this book uh, to discuss every week to understand what is, the what is the subtleties that the Gita is explaining to us that we can use in our day-to-day -day life. So think about this. Now, there is this ocean and ocean water, the, the waves are coming in. Nice, big waves, small waves, breaker waves, they're all coming in. Now the wave is thinking, the big breaker wave is com coming in towards the shore, closer towards the shore. It's gained its momentum. And then as it comes closer towards the shore, it's dying away. Now just imagine that the, that, that wave has, is thinking. Now it's thinking, oh my God, I'm going very closer to the beach now. Now I'm going to die. I'm going to lose my identity. What happens? The wave obviously dies. But what happens to the water behind the wave? Does it die? No. It goes off to the beach like this, then it goes back into the ocean. In the whole process, the water, which has come from the ocean in the form of a wave, continues to exist. But what died was, was a notion called a wave, right? Now, in the same fashion, look at it from another perspective. Take, imagine that you, you have a pot, something that like this. Now there is, there is space inside the pot. Now, is that space different from the space outside the pot or within the pot? In reality, no, because the pot cannot exist if there's no space. But if that space were intelligent, let's say intelligent like us today, the pot will, the, the space, it will say, oh, I think I'm limited by this shape of this pot. If, if the, tomorrow the pot shape changes, the space inside will say, okay, I'm limited by the shape, right? Or the volume or whatever. But in reality, it's only an apparent illusion because the space, if you shift the pot from point A to point B, it's the same space. There's no difference in the space. But 
that that intelligence assumes it is limited because it's in the body and mind now that limitation happens because because of our body and mind we are colored the way that we look at the world it's like putting on a colored glasses and looking at the entire world we obviously will see in a colored way that's exactly what's happening to us that's when we think we are incomplete now because we have that pure awareness has associated itself with the body and mind to experience this entire universe unfortunately what has happened to each one of us is that we think that we are not who we actually are but at the same time living a life of what the mind wants what the body wants so think about it this way i have a prosthetic arm okay now i have this prosthetic arm and i'm holding a mobile phone in my hand today and walking on the road now this prosthetic arm is artificially intelligent smart it knows that somebody had hurt that hurt it uh, sometime back and it saw that person coming in front now it suddenly asks me give me a stick i want to go beat that guy and if i give that prosthetic arm a stick and if that goes and hits that person is it going to make any sense is it what i want probably not now the same thing is happening the real person who is within me is someone who is living a life different than what that person is because that it is living a life of the mind of the body our scriptures say there is a beautiful shloka purnamada purnamidam it says that we are already complete we are already fulfilled we are already that limitless entity because we make this mistake of assuming mixing up you know the by mind body and that consciousness entity together and then we experience that limitation because suddenly if i'm here i'm nowhere else right because i'm assuming that i'm this body and the mind but they say like the water from the ocean which forms the way which is also water you are the water you are that unlimited limitless conscious being and you got to realize that that's your true identity now why is why is that important why is that important if it's important because when it is limitless it doesn't need anything to be happy it is happy it is happiness itself that's the most important point so because of our mistaken identity now coming back to my two first two points because of a mistaken identity with our body and mind we think that happiness exists outside outside of our body and mind and we start looking for them and the premise here that we are making is that happiness is not in the objects because objects change and even if the objects don't change we change our preferences towards those objects change relationships people it changes which means that you know the body's preference the mind's preference towards anything else sweets food 
people, relationships, titles, all those things keep changing day in and day out. And if they don't change, if our preferences don't change, those change. The importance what we give them change. So it is not, happiness doesn't exist anywhere else other than within our own self. It's our true nature. We have to realize that. So these are two things that I want to talk to you about. Now I'm going to talk to you about switching the topics a little bit. I'm going to talk to you about a little bit about death. In the recent past, I have, uh, um, uh, I've had uh, uh, challenging times where we've had some deaths in our family. And at the same time, you know, we got to look at it. What exactly does death mean? Right? Now, most of us assume that life is a straight line, beginning at birth, and you go through X number of years, undefined X, and then you die. And once you die, you're obliterated. There's nothing else remaining out of you. Fortunately, the scriptures say totally opposite thing. And here, you know, we may have to rely on uh, Albert Einstein's uh, um, theory where he says that energy can't be created or destroyed. So if you assume that, what happens to the thoughts that you had? What happened to the memories? What happened to the intelligence that, that you have acquired? What happens to that when you die? Nobody knows. But our scriptures give us an answer. In Gita it says, Vasansi jirnani yathavihaya navani grunhati naroparani Just as we take away old, worn-out clothes and throw them away for washing or just discard them and wear fresh ones. This, the mind, the subtle body, everything else that is not physical, that you see, that you can feel and touch, that part of it just goes away from the physical body to go find another body. And when I say another body, I'm being very careful here. It is not necessarily a human body. It can be anybody, right? So here is what I want you to understand. So death is basically a, a pit stop in our journey to completion. Why? Just as we don't want to wear an old soiled cloth because it's no longer serving its purpose, when the body doesn't serve its purpose, the entity within the body just drops it and says, I no longer need it. Let the other people take care of this, what is not required. And I will go on and go find another body. That's the reality of it. Now, why is that important? Now, it is important because suddenly when you think about it, step back and say, okay, hey, all the while I thought that I'm going to live only for maybe X number of years. And in the recent past, I have seen that X does not exceed maybe 120 years. That's all is going to be my max lifetime. Now suddenly you are having a possibility that you are able to live longer beyond this 120 years because now your, your lifespan is gone, be much beyond. The mental body continues its journey. It has its own pluses and minuses, but we'll discuss that a little later. But the whole point, what I'm saying is suddenly the, the point that there is no need for us to be worried about a physical death the fear of death goes away 
And that's such a powerful, liberating movement for us because we really don't have to worry about, you know, what's going to happen to me at death or what's going to happen to my loved one at death. They are, they're just letting go of the body. They're just continuing on the journey. It's fine. I'm going to talk to you a little bit about one more uh, thing, which is very extremely powerful uh, uh, concept that I learned in uh, Kata Upanishad. It's one of the uh, very beautiful Upanishads where uh, a small kid goes and talks to the Lord of Death himself, Lord Yama, asking him, can you tell me, you know, that big secret that everybody, everybody wants to know. Right. And in that, in that story, when you go through that uh, story, um, they talk about this model of a horse, uh, five horse chariot. Right. And that's also the, uh, you know, cover of my book that you, you that you would see. So uh, in this, in this, I, 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 I picked up a better Google image here to showcase this for this particular presentation. So the five horses are likened to the five sense organs. And by sense organs, I mean not the physical sense organs like ears, eyes, and tongue. Those are, you know, endpoints, instruments, or sensors. The sense organs is the ones that the ability to hear or the ability to see or the ability to uh, taste that is inside. That's why, you know, my Guruji used to say that just by looking at somebody's ears, if they are small or big, you cannot say whether the sense of hearing is uh, you know, small or or very acute or sharp. You know, it's very difficult. It'll be uh, impossible to predict that. So the five sense organs are the five sense organs that we have, not, not the ones that we'll physically see, but the ones inside. The emotional mind, the mind that feels, the mind that feels different types of emotions, it doubts, okay, is this the right thing to do? Is this the wrong thing to do? Okay. That is the reins which connects the horses to the charioteer. And the charioteer is the intellect, the ability to decide. I think I should do this. I think I should not do this. I think this is right. I think this is wrong. That is that intellect. And the passenger who's sitting in the chariot is, I loosely call it as the ego. And by ego, I mean, I don't mean the English word ego. I mean, there is this sense, that notion that we have in our mind saying that I am the body or I am the mind. Whenever we do anything, that thing comes out. So that part of it is that ego, right? I'm just calling that as ego at this point of time. And this model is very, very powerful because it helps us to understand how the human being is structured, what we can do layer by layer, what is the stack? What is the stack up? What is the lower level? What's the higher level? What, what can uh, influence the other level? It talks about that and it talks about how you can control that. So I would encourage you to uh, read that uh, uh, thing about uh, Katopanishad's uh, model. And it also, uh, it also very beautifully talks about, you know, in, in my previous slide, if you, if you, if you have looked at it, uh, you know, it talks about the five different koshas. So 
one thing that, that I want to tell you is the physical body, what you see here, that is likened to the entire chariot, right? And the rest all is the subtle body. And that's the one that will continue its journey towards completion. Now, the, the, the reason why I said it's, it's a double-edged sword that will continue on, this, on, on its, on its uh, journey towards completion is, if we don't know what is completion, it will keep on going. Okay, it will take birth. It will go through the same thing that we are going through now. And one day it will die, again go through it. Which, uh, you know, uh, Adi Shankaracharya says very well, in Bhajagovindam, Punarapichananam Punarapimananam Maranam. But if it knows that what is my end goal, who am I? Then it's a short circuit within this lifespan. We can be that happiness. We can be that completion, completion that we are looking for and searching for things in outside world. We can already be that. So you understood the model now. We understand that, yes, there is a Happiness is our very nature, but we don't know that because we make the mistake of identifying with mind and body. And potentially, 80 to 100 years is not the lifespan that I'm going to live. I'm going to live for much longer, millions, millions of years, perhaps. Perhaps not. And perhaps not is very important in our journey to completion. And that's where mind management becomes very, very important for us. Now, what is Gita's take about mind management? What do I mean by mind management? First of all, you know, if you look at it, when I talk, talked about this death, I said that the physical body dies, the subtle body goes on, goes on, goes for, goes forward. Now, which also meant that you know that subtle body, that that mind, which before it takes in another another physical body, you know, it is carrying forward whatever memories, thoughts, decisions that it has taken so far into that new body. Yeah, they may not, you know, come to fruition immediately because the physical body is not capable of doing multiple things. Maybe I'm, I'm, I'm very good at uh, uh, playing guitar, uh, but, uh, you know, that, that ability is there in me, but I'm still a baby at this point of time. But, you know, as I progress, that skill comes out. I'm a talented singer. But then, you know, the genius comes out at an appropriate time and the physical body is ready. Now, the whole point is this, the mind is the only thing that, that we carry forward from a previous birth. If we are fortunate enough to take the birth of a human being again in this birth, then we have the opportunity to improve our mind. We are already fortunate that we are born as human beings and we have the ability to improve our, improve our mind so that we can, by the time we, we, we die, we would have enhanced our mind, improved our mind in some fashion, hopefully, you know, much more closer towards completion. And what does Gita say in that whole process of enhancing and improving the mind? And this is very important for us to understand. Gita's take is very simple. Gita talks about uh, six categories of negative qualities that a mind has because of which it gets caught in this trap of, you know, looking for happiness outside, doing things that is not its true nature, right? It's doing it for the mind. The mind says, okay, I want this. I like this. I'll, I'll go ahead and get it. But it's vicarious pleasure that it's getting it because the, the entity that you are, you are not the mind. 
So it says that there are six categories, Kama, Krodha, Loba, Moha, Mother, Matsarya. And you know, I must thank a couple of my uh, Gita um, uh, uh, study group uh, friends. They gave a very good acronym called 2KLM3, if you want to remember this. So Kama, Krodha, 2K, L, Loba, Moha, Mother, Matsarya, M3. Now, what is it? Okay, Kama is desires. And I would like to say selfish desires. Why selfish desires? Why not desires, right? You know, there's a difference. Desires can be anything, but selfish desire means that, that you would want. When I identify myself as saying that I am the mind and I'm the body, then I'm trying to aggrandize myself. But the moment you say, I have the desire and that is not selfish, you know, it could be that, you know, I want to do something for, for the society, then you're already identifying yourself with the larger society. And then as your mind starts expanding, you are identifying with the entire universe, right? That's the whole game. Now, if it is selfish, then you are already limiting yourself within this mind and body. Now, how does this selfishness manifest, right? And Gita has a beautiful way of talking about this. It says that whenever any of our desires, selfish desires are not fulfilled, or they are, there are some obstructions coming from the external world, or even from, you know, within our own self, you know, we are limited by, we want something and we, we, we don't have the ability ourselves. Then it converts into anger. I believe that these selfish desires, which are not fulfilled or obstructed, they burst out as anger. So if you don't know what your selfish desire is, but if you know you're angry, then you need to control your anger. That's the way of mind management. Now, what is, uh, I'm sorry, I just had to move the screen, uh, move this a little bit this side. What is greed? The other thing that we talk about, which is uh, lobha. If you've gotten something, you don't want to lose it. That's one sort of, one form of greed. The other form is, you want more of it. Now you know the reason. You know, we started off when I told you about my journey that, you know, I was earning a lakh rupees and we said, okay, when we earn one crore, we will retire. It never happened because they wanted more, right? Now, delusion. What is delusion is that the very wrong idea that only if my selfish desire is fulfilled, I'll be happy. That's delusion. That's a wrong notion in the mind. Pride. What is pride? The feeling that I did it. Only I did it. Only I can do it. That's the wrong notion in the mind. Now, the, the last thing, matsarya, jealousy. This is a very interesting thing. It's very closely related to anger. You know, I'm not able to do it, but I saw somebody else do it then I feel jealous about that person. Now, the whole reason why I'm saying is uh, saying about these six, uh, uh, six, six things is that, think of these things as the essential qualities that we will need to cultivate during this lifetime that would improve the way that our mind is today. And as we progress on this, this would help us once the mind starts understanding that, okay, these are the negative qualities and they're slowly you know, reducing the impact of these negative qualities. What is going to happen is it's going to, it's going to improve our ability to understand who we truly are 
And unfortunately, or fortunately, this is the only way. There's no other way that you can uh, uh, get over the feeling that you are the body, you are the mind, and say, I'm not the body, I'm not the mind, unless and until these qualities start getting into you. Now, from, even from a leadership perspective also, Rajiv, Rajiv Ji keeps talking about this. Even from a corporate leadership perspective also, think about this, the servant leader concept that people talk about. You know, these are the people who are all inclusive. They don't claim credit for what they, what they do. In fact, they don't even say they do. Okay, they are happy with the team's, um, uh, team's progress or the team's success. They don't exhibit these kind of emotional traumas or ups and downs. These are all the essential qualities, even, even, even in a business environment. And Gita has already said this several years back. I'm just looking at my time. Just about uh, five more minutes. So uh, I'm going to leave this thought with you. Okay, It's very simple. The thought is, when you think about an object, when you keep on thinking about an object, you'll start desiring that object. And when you desire that object, you want to go and get that object. And when you are not able to get it, you get angry. And when you get angry, your intellect is clouded. It, it, it happens to every one of us. We can never think straight when we are angry. And when our intellect is crowded, clouded, we make wrong decisions. And when we make wrong decisions, a series of wrong decisions, it leads us to a downfall. This is a very beautiful uh, uh, shloka, here, verse 2.62 and 2.63 in Gita that talks about this. And the most important word that I want to highlight to you is the word called attachment in this. Nowhere in Gita it says that you should not have desires. Nowhere it says that. On the contrary, it says that you must have desires. But what it says is that let go of the attachment towards the desire. And when, when Gita says that, let go of the attachment, what it says is that if you have this idea that only if this desire is fulfilled that I am getting completed, that's attachment. Gita says, let go of that. The moment you let go of that, that limited being that we think we are breaks off. We, we are more expansive. I want you to leave that thought with you on that. So I've got a couple of more minutes. I just want to tell you what is the journey that the scriptures define and what's the journey that I took. Okay. First of all, it's a discontent and disbelief that I had. Okay. I'm not the body and mind. Then who am I? Okay. That's the disbelief part. And I was discontented. There was discontentment and I didn't know how to fix that. Start with the discontent, this disbelief, then slowly we listen and we clarify. And when I say we listen, I mean listening to the scriptures, understanding what is the true meaning of these scriptures are. And then you get these doubts. Okay. Then you start clarifying these doubts. Then you slowly over a period of time, all the fog in the glass gets removed. And then you're able to see clearly. As you do this, you have to use the life, lifetime. And when I say lifetime, today, to prepare and practice what the scriptures are saying. Basically, change the mindset that you're thinking about as a limited being. 
and fake it till you make it. You think differently in terms of how you truly are and start acting that. And if we do this in the right, in the, in, in, in the right way over a period of time, you know, maybe one birth or multiple births, whatever it could be, there is an exit path, right? The better we understand this, this cycle, you know, lesser doubts that we have, and then there's an exit path, then you actually become that Satchitananda. So I talked to you about the, the, the three uh, 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 reasons for discontentment, right? Ignorance, time, and pain. Actually, Satchitananda is the exact antithesis of these three limitations that we experience as individuals. What has been my journey? Just one last minute. I was searching for who am I? It was a confusion, mixed bag for me for a long time. And I met my guru. Incidentally, even my mom and dad are on this call. The same guru is also the teacher for my mom and dad. And the beauty was I had been exposed to the teachings of Gita right from my childhood, but it never got into my head till I was prepared. Okay. And I met him five years back and my life, my life changed. What is a path? The path is very simple. It says Karma Yoga, Bhakti Yoga, Dhyana Yoga. And I talk about that very detail in my book, but I'm going to share one minute in, in, in the next slide for you. And daily commitment to transform myself. This has been my journey so far. My last slide. And Moji, if you permit me, this is my last slide. What do I recommend for, for anyone who's interested to figure out, okay, is this path going to be useful for me? What do I do? Maybe I should try. What do I recommend? First thing is we have to start from where we are. So we, we make no changes in, in our day-to-day -day life except one small change. Whatever that we do, we do with an attitude of karma yoga. Karma to karma yoga is what the one change that I would suggest you do. Basically, what it means is three things. I've, there are multiple things it says, but I'm going to summarize it for you here. Stop claiming doership to anything that you do. That's the most important thing. Second thing is, do all your duties even if you don't like them. Because likes and dislikes are coming from the mind. Duties come from the role that you're supposed to be doing in this particular life. Third thing, accept all results of your work, good or bad, desirable or not. Because the, the only way if the mind will start calming down, accepting the reality, if the mind understands that the impact of likes and dislikes is much lower on it. And over a period of time, the mind is calming down. And then those fogs in the glass, the analogy that I was using will keep going away. Second, listen to basic concepts. Now, this is where the concept of mirror comes in, okay? We have to use the right mirror. If you use a convex mirror to look at yourself or a concave mirror, it will show a distorted view of yourself. You have to use a proper, proper mirror. And the proper mirror of I, the definition of I, is nowhere else other than in the Upanishads and in the Gita. So if you want to really understand who is I, there is nothing else that you can do other than go to this source. And my recommendation based on what I have learned so far is 
please, you might want to start at least 30 minutes a day for a minimum of six months. Listen to Tattva Bodha, Drit Drishya Viveka, Bhagavad Gita. These are the three texts that I want to encourage each one of you to listen, actively start listening. There are multiple podcasts. Swami Sarvapriyananda is very, very good. If, if you're interested in Tamil, Swami Guru Parananda, who is my guru, he will, he'll, he'll be good. There are multiple other Swamiji's who, are, who follow Swami Dayananda tradition. You can listen to them. Why do you listen to them? Inquire the purpose of your life. What is your self-identity today? How do you define yourself? What areas do you experience unhappiness? Why? What do you do to change that? And ask yourself a question. Is there any difference between me and the animals? Is there a larger purpose to my life compared to what the animals are? They eat, sleep, drink, procreate, and they're also scared. Am I doing anything else beyond that? How can I come out? Last, stick to a daily practice, 40 minutes a day. Think of the body and the mind as your instruments and keep sharpening the instruments every day. Physical exercise, whatever that you like it, 20 minutes a day. Control diet, this is very important. Control diet, eat only when you're hungry. Because the more you eat, the more lethargic you become. Third, some sort of a ritual. It could be meditation, chanting, or going and doing some sort of a puja, whatever that you like. Okay, 20 minutes. When we keep doing these four things, karma to karma yoga, listening to some concepts, this is very important, the second one. Inquiry, keep on at the back of your mind, keep on thinking, okay, what's, why am I here? Why am I here? Sticking to a daily practice, slow and steady, it'll win the race. And this discipline and the teachings will definitely guide you. And that's what my guru told me. And I'm so blessed to share what I have learned with all of you. And I, 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 would, uh, I would hand it over now to Mohit Ji to see if there are any questions from the audience. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. It was um, truly fascinating to, to listen to you. And uh, now what I would do is we have some questions from uh, people who have joined in. But before I uh, take the questions or I request everyone, whoever has a question, they can open their mic, they can open their videos, and they can have a direct chat with you. Before that, there's something in the book that I would like to mention to everyone. Uh, and that's where I say books are the best gift someone can get. And if that too, if you get it from someone whom you know you can relate with, and that's what happened to me when Rajiv Gupta ji sent me this book in the lockdown. I, I usually have a habit of uh, opening up any page and, uh, and that's a universal factor. It's been proven as well. Whenever I have a question, I just pick up any book and I open any page and somehow it gives me an answer. And that was a time when I was uh, thinking, why is it so um, that we need to read or know about our ancient scriptures? And that was a time many of our course mates are here today. We started a course with Rupa Pai, who has written a book, Gita for Children and Vedas and Upanishads for Children, which we thought 
if the children need to be uh, uh, told about uh, ancient scriptures we adults really need to know or the grown up children really need to know about these scriptures in fact we are the people who are um, uh, we need it the most in fact and that's where i opened up your book just to ask this question why should i um, do a course or why should i even read about uh, scriptures and there's a very lovely uh, thought that is given in your page which i actually sent to um, other group members in the whatsapp group that we have now for ancient wisdom that we have it has six components into it uh, page number 119 and it says tbe abl just in the short form for everyone to remember it says thoughts beliefs expectations attitudes behavior and life everything is connected if you change your thoughts you change your belief uh, your beliefs change you you change your expectations your expectations change so that you can change your attitude and when your attitude changes your behavior changes and now what happens when your behavior changes your life changes and that's why i think it's very important to follow a routine and in your book while you have mentioned about very simple things that you should not overeat your life has changed from very um um uh, rock metal music to simple bhajan simple things that you can understand now earlier in our school days considering many of us are uh, educated in the western way of uh, education for us listening to a doha or say a mantra was like it's not so cool man uh, let's listen to pink floyd you know i listen the wall um, tblr i've heard everything and it used to be very cool as well to copy someone else but i think rather than copying someone else it's it's better to be whom whoever you are and um, in fact uh, in the corporate world a lot of people would agree or in many other places since after world war we have adopted the corporate strategy based out of what happened in the world war so everything was very loud shouting and if you don't um, speak very strongly if you can't shout in public if you cannot tell people with lot of energy you don't have energy but certainly that's a loss of energy i must say and that's what newton always tried to do was that's exactly what i think he was trying to tell us in in the physics laws so that's what the book is i would recommend everyone to just follow the basic simple rules that rajesh ji himself practices and now i would request everyone whoever has a question you can raise your hand you can open your mic um you can open your video as well and can feel free to ask the question i think arvin has a question which is uh, very much um, um the question everyone asks so arvin i would request either you can take up the question yourself or uh, i can narrate it for you choice is absolutely yours okay i move it good morning thank Hi, you for nice. organizing this um thank you rajesh it was a, a brilliant session you know and um, i've been seeking a lot of things in this you know so bits and pieces i knew but this rings a bell but i have a question for you i'm a little confused when you talked about the um, the mind you know that is what carries on to the next birth as well whether it's human life or uh, life in any other form would the samskaras you know what we refer to as we get you know so uh, if you um, i mean whatever i've read and understood that there are some samskaras you're born with so are these is this the mind is this the same thing that's what my question is 
So, Inherent uh, nature of a person, basically, when you are, you know, at birth, because you might have two children and both of them are very different, right? So, would the yeah. mind being equivalent to the same thing that you are that I'm uh, understanding it? Yeah, I, I, you would say that because uh, I would I would say yes that that's it should be the same one uh, because uh, you know the English word mind is not a very good uh, uh, equivalent for for doing that samskaras or vasanas are the better way so each person even twins born to, to born to the uh, uh, born they they will have different samskaras they just happen to have the same biological parents that's all who give them the physical body so they look and look and look alike but they may not think alike because they come from different, they bring in something else from somewhere else. That's the vasanas or the samskaras is what we call it. Okay, thank you. That answers my question. Thank you. It was a wonderful session. A lot of uh, thinking that needs to go in now. And practice, of course, as you mentioned. So, yeah. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you, Arvind. Uh, Mr. Jasawala, do you have a question? Or anyone per se. I think you have to unmute yourself, sir. I'd like Good to, to say this was a very useful question, but uh, just one question. There are uh, authors like Rhonda Byrne, etc., who tell us how to how to get what we want. You know, uh, they make that a bit more of a practice. Uh, so they are talking literally of going for your greed in some way. And, and you know, they are clearly saying that if you want money, you want material gain, you want all of these things, you can actually practice it. So is that in conflict with what the Gita, the Upanishads say? And they are making a book out of it, they are becoming famous for it. That's a, that's a great question, you know, and if, if uh, that was, uh, that was indeed the case, then I don't think that the Sanatana Dharma would have ever said Dharma, Artha, Kama, Moksha as the four goals of, uh, of any, of, uh, of a human being. And basically Artha and Kama goals are basically the needs and the desires and it's legitimate. We have to do it. We have to. We have to. We have to go after those, um, uh, those uh, you know, wants and desires that we have. But what Rhonda Burns and other you know the Western uh, part of the world doesn't realize is that there's a much larger life, larger goal to human life than just living the life very close to um, uh, fulfilling your desires or your or your or your wants and needs because there's no difference between, uh, between uh, uh, an animal and a human being, if we just do that, right? I recall the analogy what uh, my Guruji used to say was that a sandalwood can be used to, as a, uh, you know, in a pyre to, to, uh, to cook, but the sandalwood is so valuable that you can use it for different purposes also. And like a human life is much more valuable than an animal life. And the purpose for which the human life needs to be used is, the spiritual goal to realize who you truly are. Because when you realize who you truly are, the needs and the wants, they automatically start aligning. Because your needs and wants uh, will become a stepping stones. Right? So that way, there is no conflict in what happens with the primary goal. 
of a human being. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you Mr. Jisawala. I think it's a very valid point of uh, um, the comparison between the two thoughts that uh, Mr. Jisawala just mentioned. Because most of the times uh, when we, I, I wouldn't blame it to our education system, but to our economy as well. Uh, while we were growing, um, uh, we were always said, if you don't study well, if you are not well educated, you will not get a good job. If you don't get a good job, you won't have a house, you won't, you won't be able to buy a car. Uh, but I think the whole purpose of the education, and I would have to quote it to, to everyone of you, I don't watch Kaun Banega Karodpati somehow, not because I don't want to be Karodpati, that's the second thought. But somehow in the recent uh, episode, there was a gentleman who um, passed out from very premier college, did PhD, still studying, been doing, he's been, he's, his Almira was full of uh, awards and awards. And everyone was predicting at least he will make a lot of millions out of this session with Mr. Bachchan today. And guess what? He used all his four lifelines in the first two or three questions, I guess. And by the time um, he, he exited, I think he exited a very small amount. So there's a correlation to what really the wisdom that we get from education. Rather, it's a continuous process. And you also mentioned uh, happiness is ever learning. Happiness is to know who we are. And a very interesting thing that uh, I came across a couple of months ago, I should say years ago, um, gain, but don't um, uh, gain with the pain of others. And that's the only question we keep need to asking about ourselves of anything that we do. So for example, yesterday it was Diwali and everyone was saying, why not firecrackers? It gives me happiness uh, because every TV ad or every greeting that was coming on WhatsApp or anywhere, it, it had firecrackers in it, right? So it was, it was a demonstration of happiness that if you burn firecrackers, you hear the sound, you enjoy. <laughs> now, but uh, imagine a firecracker, a simple snake that is a three rupees snake, which you burn and becomes a snake is equal to 240 cigarettes. Now just imagine your gain or your happiness out of the one firecracker was equivalent to giving smoke to 240 people as one cigarette itself. I think that is one fundamental question we all need to ask. And my question to you, Rajeshji, is very simple. Um, while you were able to find a guru, and that's what I think I, I have always had Rajeshji as well, you were able to find a guru. Is this a process or is this a normal, instantaneous thing? It just happens. We keep meeting good people. So, for example, there are almost 40 people here today. They have invested their time and they have also given their time to us. Um, so either we meet them here or we just follow the process. How do you get the guru? Yeah, so uh, great question, Boiji. Uh, I think, uh, you know, this is a question that uh, uh, that bothered uh, me also for a long time. You know, a friend of mine who's here on, on this call, Dan. Uh, Dan also, you know, uh, Dan found his guru much earlier than what I did. And he used to tell me that, you know, you'll find it on the day when you're ready, right? I never could understand it, what it means. Mm -hmm. So, but the but the point is, even in my own life, my parents have been following the, the Guruji for, you know, at least. But I was not ready. I was ready only maybe five years back when the thing clicked in my mind. So basically, the whole, whole idea is, how do you find a Guru? You don't find a Guru. You keep preparing your mind. The Guru will appear. That's a reality. Okay. And is there only one Guru or we can have many Gurus in life? You can have many gurus, absolutely. 
You can have many gurus. Each guru will teach you one aspect of something that you don't know about. Actually, more than thinking about guru as a person, think of it like guru as circumstances or events, guru moments. I mean, for people who are married, who have children here, you will know that, you know, the spouses and the children teach a lot about ourselves. Think of it as a guru moment, right? Some crossword puzzle in your mind, puzzle piece fitting together because somebody else is reflecting how we should be because they're close quarters, you know, they teach you something about yourself. So rather than think of guru as a person, it could be a book, it could be whatever, think of guru moments. And there'll be one, one at one point of time where, where your mind will meet somebody else's mind so easily that the knowledge will start flowing from that person or from that book very, very easily to you. That is your guru at that point of time. Fantastic. I would request everyone in case uh, they are more interested uh, on this subject, this 17th, including uh, since Rajivji is also here, we are hosting a session with Shriyam, uh, uh, who's a noted spiritual leader um, on his new book that is coming, which is the homecoming on 17th evening uh, alongside uh, Rupa Pai. So in case people would love to join on the discussion, feel free to join. I would request anyone to have the question, open your mic, open your videos so that people can see. It doesn't look like uh, a very mechanical thing. This slightly uh, expression-based uh, interaction with everyone. Please feel free, everyone. We are not many people here, but yes, it would be good to interact. Rajesh, Rajesh and Mohit, hi. Uh, thank you for hosting the session. Uh, my name is Subramaniam Subu uh, um, and Rajesh, uh, this question is to you, you know. Um, you know, first of all, uh, I think uh, when we talk about uh, the scriptures and, you know, the interest to, you know, gain and uh, uh, understand, I think it all starts with a process of, uh, you know, uh, our ability to get into the mode of self-inquiry. Self you know, uh, like you said, I was able to relate to what you were saying that, uh, you know, my parents used to tell me a lot of these things when I was a young boy, but, uh, you know, I was doing it very mechanically because I had to be a good boy to the parents. But, uh, you know, for me to pick up a Gita, it took me the age of 40 to first pick up the Gita and try and understand. And that too, I read a, you know, summary of the Gita and I did not read the full Gita. Okay. But today, like you said, I really enjoy uh, the sessions, you know, uh, in YouTubes by many, many uh, speakers on the subject of Vedanta, uh, you know, the philosophy, Bhagavad Gita and many others. And it gives me a lot of, you know, uh, solace and uh, even in corporate circles, etc., to understand and apply these principles. Okay. My question has always been that, you know, I took a long time to sort of, um, you know, uh, understand and start to begin to understand, not even understand fully, but just start to begin to understand in this journey. If I were to ask you this question, how is it that we can, you know, prompt this level of self-inquiry or, uh, you know, uh, the Gita way of life and our Indian way of life, etc., the Sanatana Dharma, if I have to inculcate this in my children to help them this journey? Great, great question, Subhu. Thank you for that. And I think, uh, you know, it's a very... Um, very uh, tough question to answer. And I think the only way that I have, I have seen is I can, I can tell it from my own personal example. My parents who are, who are on this call, on this video call uh, right now, um, they have never, never forced me to do anything. Okay, least of all, follow this. But they followed. Whether they knew whether they were on the right path or not, only they know. But 
they they just followed it and because they followed it i followed it at the time i was mature maybe you know if my parents had expected that i should have been following the geeta when by the time i was 16 or 17 sorry it did not happen it happened when i was 45 but i did and i don't regret it at all yeah thank you i think finally it's the you know every individual's journey of transformation right and maybe it is maybe uh, i don't know whether you call it the timing it happens at a particular stage but i think what you're saying is right that you know as parents we just need to sow the seeds and sapling and show them the way of life and at some point in time i think Absolutely. they will just uh, imbibe and take it forward yeah they will, thank you they very will, much they will only learn they will only learn by not what we tell them but but how what we do yes what they see us do thank you thank you rajesh yeah good luck and thanks for this session wonderful yeah thank you, thank you. Anyone else? No. Yeah. 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 Hi. Hi. This is Vishu. Hi, Rajesh. Yeah. It's very nice. Yeah. Very nice talk. Awesome. I okay, just. Uh, yeah. I think uh, I was with. Uh, yeah. I could relate with Subhu. Basically, uh, you don't want this to happen very early at the kid when he's not ready. Also, this is an optimal age for this. But and you would seek it when you really need it or when you got to that point. So there is some as you're born, right? You also don't want to do injustice to your talents. You know what I mean? Basically, you you wanted to achieve something. You don't want come whether the come way in. Of course, for great people like. Uh, Uh, or like um, uh, Shankaracharya, maybe this, they're great. They, they actually can mature at eight years, nine years. But I think for all the mere mortals, I think we are talking about thirties, forties, fifties. God knows. Sometimes people don't even realize that for sixties, there is no set age for anybody to learn anything. It's like there's no stress of uh, not knowing whether you would. You, I, I'm pretty sure you will get to a stage where you don't answer some questions when things are going your way. You don't need Vedanta, but when you think that. things are not going then you automatically uh, you will seek and uh, things will come to you whether a book a guru a person a session doesn't matter something will come to you because you are actively seeking at the time yeah thank you very much for that i think my question is more like um, uh, see vedanta seems to i wouldn't want to use this word but more selfish as in it's all about you you don't let other things disturb you you sort of close yourself that way the less disturbances but then where is this for example there are a lot of things happening around the world so i always get conflict between should i be opening up myself to actually feel compassionate but then i also has a side effect of me getting stressed out because i'm not able to do enough so where do you balance that instead i don't want to be in the shell at the same time i don't want to expose myself to be vulnerable so where is this balance because uh, that's something that bothers me sometimes so just want to see your opinion on it Yeah, yeah. So I think uh, you know you and I did did a course together called Purusha Sutta, right? And right. and the, the 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 very fact that you know the I is the I that 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 you expressed just now in terms of missing that okay, okay, the selfishness part of it, right? The it's not it's not the selfish I that we're talking about. The, right, correct. Yes, yeah. who is really is is that 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 magnificent, all inclusive person. Yes, right. That is who we are. Right. Just because we have, we, we kind of you know it's seeing through the mind and body of this particular individual. It's kind of you know limited. So, right. you know, if somebody is uh, suffering, you know, if if there's an attitude that okay, that if 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 I can do something, I will do it. If I can't do it, I'll just pray, hoping that you know the suffering will reduce. Will be a great attitude to to start you know building up that mental capacity to start exp- experiencing that expansiveness of the mind, because you know Vedanta is not dry. at the end of the day you know there are so many different techniques that it goes on at different levels where 
right from the thing like you know talking of some meditation i'm just talking about some meditation technique right right from the time you say okay relaxing at the body level it goes on to for you to meditate to imagine the entire universe within yourself right right and when you do that and when you experience that then you really don't see that you are different from other people you don't you don't see different from others and then you start protecting the uh, environment to the best possible that you can the people the uh, the other you know living beings you don't harm them anymore yeah i think that yeah the pray or bhakti i think i didn't get exposed to that as uh, um, yet but i think that might be the only way i'm talking about things that uh, bothers you but you can't do much i think maybe prayer is the answer for that i so far i didn't uh, get to that stage maybe that would come naturally at this stage i'm into the self exploring stage and now is it but your answer is correct in the sense that uh, the eye is not really the small limited sense eye this is a big a big correct. eye you're talking about okay correct perfect. correct yeah in fact in fact gita gita says that you know as long as you have that sense that you are the body and mind and if you if you still want to go beyond that then the only solution is prayer chapter right. 7 to chapter 12 you know first six chapter says who you are and if you still then you say pray the next six chapters that's all it says okay right thank you awesome fact while we are talking about prayer in your book at page number 123 you have mentioned a fantastic book which is the chapter about prayer works and um, you have given a an answer to this that a prayer need not be a sanskrit chant it need not be a rhythmic poem it can be as simple as an intent a positive powerful intent and that's what you have mentioned in the book as well and i actually tried it on the dining table uh, because many a times just to tell others that see i have learned a lot i have known a lot i know all the sanskrit chants and i know all the verses but in that race yet again a race we miss out the basics the basic common sense that i think common sense is the most uncommon thing what you have mentioned in your book is simple prayer which i would like to narrate to everyone god grant me the serenity to accept the things i cannot change courage to change the things i can and wisdom to know the difference and i think that wisdom is the only ask that we ask whatever we do whatever we do and um, now it's already 12 i didn't realize we uh, this is one of those sessions where um, uh, we believe the time should not be limited we should be in a different uh, um, time and space in terms of uh, uh, the physics but uh, it's already 12 now i would request anyone of uh, you if they have a question any Uh, expressions that they would like to share here today and experiences um else we will uh, 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 proceed ahead and uh, because it's it's too late for rajesh there in the us hi mohit and rajesh i just want to express my compliments and uh, thanks to both of you for the wonderful session and um, uh, you know as uh, you know both of you had mentioned and mohit knows that i am a seeker so a lot of my beliefs got shattered you no know, during this call that you no know, i am i am i have you no know, i've been following that you no know, mohit what you had said that whenever you no know, you are in doubt pick up a book open any page right and you'll get the answer and uh, a lot of people you no know, used to tell me that how can you do that right you need to follow a thing from the beginning to the end right but somehow right i i'm not built like that right so uh no that and then another thing no which i re- really like when no rajesh ji said that you don't have to look for a guru right you need to continue to prepare yourself right and there could be multiple gurus 
right there's no uh no there's nothing to say right that you should follow one and not the other one right so a lot of i think small small learnings uh, uh, no were there in the session for everybody and i am taking a lot of them out so thank you thank you no rajesh ji uh, for sparing that time from there uh, thank you mohit thank you thank you my pleasure very much thank you rajesh ji anything that you would like to add because then we will uh, uh, conclude the session oh no i i think uh, you know um, i would uh, uh, i would encourage each one of you to you know not let go of that uh, uh, the uh, seeker mentality and uh, you know i'm available any time if you guys need to reach out to me you know uh, it, it's very easy uh, my email is there uh, everywhere i'm i'm on linkedin just reach out to me and uh, happy to support any time in anything perfect so um, i think uh, thanks a lot sir thanks rajesh ji for being here today and agreeing to our request um, my heartiest congratulations and um, i wish a good success to the book so that it reaches as many people as possible and it definitely brings in a positive change i would also like to con- convey my thanks to rajiv gupta san who is here um despite his busy schedule on a sunday morning he still took out time to be here along with other friends and to all the course mate of uh, course mates of ancient indian wisdom that we have at city book leaders and all the other seekers who are always the patron of uh, uh, city book leaders thank you for joining us and uh, that's what books do to us they help us connect to the right set of people and also to um uh, give us the right answers as well i convey my regards and thanks to ridhima for managing the back end for us for this call thank you everyone thank you rajesh ji have a great day and uh, wish you all the best yes thank, you, thank you so much thank you on the books on the book side i could only find it in india so i i got a amazon kindle version but i would is there available in us or no it's it's because i prefer a paper version or a physical version but i ended up buying a kindle one because i couldn't find whatever it is US it is available in the us too i see okay all right thanks good to know thank you everyone thank you mohit ji thank you everyone thank you thank you for the opportunity thank you all yeah happy diwali yeah thank you bye bye